Thank you for listening to the First Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. Here you will be able to listen to all of our Sunday morning sermons. Be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss a sermon. Enjoy today's message. And we've been talking about the kingdom of God, and it's in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And what's been amazing to me is as I preach through this, as I prayerfully considered preaching this series, as I've preached through this, I just can't believe how relevant Jesus is to our everyday life and experience, especially right now. And so today we're going to talk about judgment, and this just happens to be the sermon that I was going to be preaching on today, even though it's Cornerstone Sunday. I think that Jesus has some relevant things to say to us in regard to judgment. Got a, got a question for you. What, where do we judge others the most? Where do we judge others the most? I thought, as I thought about that question, I thought, maybe appearance, whether, you know, a lot of people haven't seen me since I've gone bald, and so they, you know, they don't even recognize me because I'm hairless, and I've been three years, but if they haven't seen me for a while, they just, they don't even consider Chris Gregg being bald. And, and at other times, I, I do a lot of construction work, and so sometimes I am pretty dirty, and I got paint, I've got dirt and crud all over me, and I will walk into a place here in our community, and people that I've known for 35 years don't even recognize me because they just don't think of me in that kind of situation. And so, you know, people, we make judgments all the time. Now, what has been amazing to me, and it's kind of fun, is to ride with people. And, and I've been driven around a lot of times. And, and, and some of the most meek and easygoing and kind people, you put them behind the wheel of a car... And I have relative I mean, I have close relatives that just go stark raising crazy. And I'm kind of scared as I ride along with them. I'm thinking, you know, this car or vehicle could be a lethal weapon. And especially the way what they're saying and wow, they're acting, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what do I got next to me? It's kind of crazy. And you gotta stop and ask the question. Is there ever a time to judge? Is there ever a time to judge? And, and, and in our culture today, I think we're the most judgmental society that we've ever been. I mean, you can hardly say anything without somebody saying, and being angry. And in our culture, I see two cultural extremes. And the first one is this, is relativism. And I've had people say this to me. What's good for you is good for you, so you do you and I'll do me. Well, that works most of the time. We're in a democracy and we have freedom. But a lot of times they're talking about legal and illegal or moral and immoral. And there are consequences, and sometimes God even has something to say about that. Imagine that. And the other extreme, the second extreme is this, legalism. We have our way of doing things, and our way is the only right way to do things. And so, therefore, we have the right to judge, 
but there is no grace. Have you ever been judged? I was in a court situation, and a person, and it was a very difficult situation, and, and a person involved in the court system immediately judged me as a pastor. Why did I do blah, 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 blah? They had no understanding of the situation, totally ignorant, and verbally attacked me. I'm thinking, do you do this with everyone? Give me grace without truth, and it won't change me. Give me grace without truth, and it won't change me. Because if all, we're, all we are is kind and tolerant, then truth really doesn't exist, and truth doesn't matter, but it does. But give me truth without grace, and I can't hear you. And have you known some people that are super harsh, And just angry and bitter. And man, they will unload on you. And maybe they're delivering truth, but it's so harsh and so callous that you can't hear it. Been there? And if we look at the gospel message, we are to live and want to live in the tension between grace and truth. Gracious, truthful, kind, and respectful. Jesus, if you're following along in Scripture, Matthew chapter 7, he says, Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged, and with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Now, in the Greek language, the word judge means is krino, and it means to condemn or to damn someone. And it has an eternal or a lifelong bearing on the situation. But, but what does Jesus mean in this context? What is he saying, in other words? And what he's saying in this context To judge can mean anything from to evaluate or to practice discernment all the way to condemn. And so Jesus is saying, he's not saying to never evaluate something or to be discerning, but I do think he's saying never condemn. We are not in that position. We are not sovereign God. We do not know all the circumstances that surround the situation. So we need to be very, very careful. And judging in the form of condemnation is basically saying that you are dead to me. And you know anything about counseling or psychology, these cut-off relationships, that dead-to-me position or, or that perspective is not very healthy. It will carry on to the next generation. It will impact your life in that cut-off situation. Now, you need to make some peace with that. And you say, Chris, you don't understand. I'm not, jud- I'm not judging you. I'm just saying that if you have that kind of emotional content, whether that person is living or, or dead, it's harmful to you. That is poison that you're carrying inside of yourself. 
Jesus also says this, and I think this is amazing. Don't judge others or you will be judged in the same way. So that hostility, that anger, that bitterness that goes on in judgment is carried on back toward you. So you need to make peace in some way through God and His grace and let it go. And at the same time, there will be times where you have to evaluate someone's actions. Now, believe it or not, as a pastor, I am a boss. Believe it or not. I'm a leader, but I'm a boss. I do evaluations. I have to talk. You know, When there's a criticism or there's a situation, I have to sit down with grown adults and have difficult, crucial conversations. And that's not fun, but that's reality. I stand here as your pastor, having been here 35 years, and I am the result of your, your constructive criticism, and you've made me what I am by the grace of God. I've had a lot of hard corners knocked off of my life. I have been accountable to leadership and you all for all these years. By the grace of God, I've been changed through that experience. Jesus goes on, and this is a misprint on my account, in verses 3 three through 5 of Matthew chapter 7, and he says this, Why do you see a, the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your eye? You hypocrite. First take out the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this passage. And in fact, if you've been raised in church, you've heard this passage a lot. In fact, you probably need to rehear it and take it into your heart again. But the picture Jesus is giving us is like Christian comedy. He's saying, hey, you're going to someone and you're going to take that little speck out of their eye, but you are walking around with a log in your eye. You are totally blinded by that log. Now, have you ever had something removed from your eye? Have you ever had a splinter or sawdust or maybe a piece of metal or a a, a fragment of some type? It is super painful and it is super sensitive. And, And your eye waters, you can't see out of it, and you are miserable. Now, do you ask your three-year-old to come and take that out of your eye? Probably not. What would it take to allow someone to do that to you? And I would say it would take a lot of trust. Now, as a child, I got a lot of splinters. I was kind of a... ADHD kid, and last week I preached a little bit about my family. I got in trouble. I called my parents, and and my dad said, you want to talk to your mom? I said, yeah, sure. Didn't think anything about it, and then I got corrected. (laughs) Not only do you help me grow, but my mom does too, so I've got to repent and and, uh, be corrected about uh, some genealogical things that I shared with you last week. 
But when I would have a splinter either in my toes or in my feet or in my hand, I wouldn't let anybody touch it. In fact, I would just let it go. And my mom would chase me down and she would tackle me and she would put me to the ground and she would wrestle me and she would hold on to that and she'd take that needle that she had heated up and sterilized and she would take that sliver out. I was an unwilling participant. (laughs) I can't wait for the phone call this week. So how how do I become that kind of person? How do I become that kind of person that, that is trusted to do that? I could have trusted my mom. She, she loved me. She bore me. She spent those nine months. She had my best interest at heart. Didn't she? But yet it hurts so bad. When we have difficult conversations, we have to acknowledge the log. And when I go to people, and I don't, haven't always done this well because I'm, I'm rather naive, but after I've been knocked around a few times, I learned the hard way very well. I have to acknowledge my log. I have to come to them sensitively and trustfully with their best interest at heart, and it's still painful. And a lot of times reaction is negative. But I have to still hold folks accountable. I I have to, if I love them, I have to say something. And that is hard. And I have to acknowledge the log of how difficult it is and what I bear in my own life that is wrong. That I also am a fellow struggler. And so this recognizes the the humility that you need to have to humble yourself and let it bring grace into the conversation. To, to allow God to enter the room and, and, and to equalize the situation. So we gotta humble ourselves. And the other thing, like I said, is we need each other. We, we need to live in community. I was talking to a person here this last week that was outside of the community. They were church shopping. They'd spent the last two or three years church shopping. And I'm not a counselor. I'm pretty direct, if you know me very well. And I just said, listen, he, he had some, some concerns. I said, first of all, you need to get a job. And he said he was lonely and he was desiring female companionship. I said, well, you need to get a girlfriend. He said, I'm struggling and I don't have community and I'm just shopping around and, there's, and, and, and he's very picky about his churches. I'm thinking, boy, you don't want to come here. <laughs> and he has a list of things and he's surprised about certain things that we do. So this is who we are. But I said, you need to find a church community. You need to settle somewhere and commit and get involved. He said, well, I'm kind of depressed and I'm kind of lonely. I'm thinking, no wonder you're trying to do this alone. We need each other. We were created to live in community. Not in a monastery, not as monks, but in community. And a lot of times when we have friendship and we're in relationships, we play hide and seek. Now, I'm going to get in trouble with my dad now. When we were growing up, we'd play hide-and-seek, and Dad was really good at hiding, and then he would send us out to hide after we found him. 
But sometimes he wouldn't come find us. <laughs> that's how I was raised. That's, that's, that's why I am the way I am. <laughs> but we do. We hide ourselves from other people. And especially our struggles that we have. The hurts, the pains. We need to have that in our lives. People that we can confide in. And... and we can only be held accountable for what we share with one another. And sometimes, folks, people need to share some things that only need to go to you and no one else. And, and they need that kind of refuge and also accountability. I've had that opportunity, and I've had that opportunity to share with my friends some of the things that are the deepest, darkest hurts and struggles. We need that. We need God. We pray to God. He hears our prayers, but we need that flesh-to-flesh, that human-to-human interaction. The question then becomes, do you have someone you share everything with? And I'm not talking only your spouse, but uh, another friend. Do you have that in your life? Now, if you're following along in this passage in Matthew chapter 7, I want you to to notice that Jesus makes a huge change in this moment. And it's like coming out of left field. Look at verse 6. He says, Don't give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot, and turn to attack you. Now this is really strange in this context, in this passage. Because, I mean, what use does a pig have for pearls? I've never seen in all my farmyard days of riding pigs, and yes I did, we rode pigs as kids and, and almost killed them because pigs aren't made for riding. But I've never seen a string of pearls around a sow's neck. Just doesn't happen. And why would you give pearls to pigs anyway? Doesn't make sense. Because what do pigs want? I mean, what do they really want? They want to satisfy their appetite. And when you read this, is Jesus calling us pigs? Who's he calling pigs? Other people? Well, that doesn't seem very nice, Jesus. That seems kind of harsh. And at the same time, we cannot condemn people into following Jesus, can we? That will not work. Condemning, judging. Dr. Charles Stanley says it this way, Obey God and leave the consequences to him. I think that's a pretty strong statement. And in the book of Matthew... When we see the, the word pearls, it's used one other time. Matthew writes it in Matthew chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. And this is what he says. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had, he had and bought it. Do you know what one of the mysteries in ministry is to me? One of the great mysteries is uh, we can have a service like this, just your every ordinary 
Sunday morning, and someone who's been in church all their lives, knows all the verses and read all the scripture, will go out of here and they'll be transformed in a heartbeat. They will be changed. And and sometimes we have loved ones, we have have friends and neighbors that we're concerned for, that don't know Jesus, that are far from God, that we care about, been praying for, and we try and we try and we try, and we try to live the, the example, and they may go to a church service, they might hear something on Christian radio, they might, they, it might not even have anything to do with Christ, and, and they hear something, and their life has changed. And it's, it's amazing. It, it doesn't make sense. It's, it's, it's something that's supernatural, that is spirit-driven. And what's fascinating to me is that when a person comes to see the kingdom as the pearl, it never goes away. I've had people come in half hung over who, who have been stoned, come to service, and in that moment be changed. And I, I have to ask, because I'm, I'm kind of curious, maybe even to the point of nosy, I've got to say, hey, what happened? What, what went on? And they'll say something like, you know, I don't know. It just, all of a sudden, it all made sense. And in that moment, they saw the pearl. You see, in that moment, the gospel goes from useless to priceless. And that's the work of God through his Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you, if you're praying for someone that you love and you care about, and you're tempted to push harder and just go, you know, what, what, what am I, Ten Commandment, kind of Old Testament on them? Don't. It's not try harder or push a little bit more. It's actually just putting your faith and your trust in a God that moves hearts and minds that we don't understand. And, and, and recognize, recognize that the pearls that we are casting are not bullets. So don't turn the pearls into bullets because you're just so frustrated and anxious for that person. Because recognize this, that something beautiful should not be used to make you bleed. I have a a lady that I love that uh, is in retail and I see her pretty often. And she said, you know, I'd come to your church if you were just a yeller, if you were a screamer. And I, and, I, and I love her, and she, she has good intentions. She really, really does. And I said, listen, in, in my conversations, I don't yell and scream at anybody. In fact, if I'm yelling and screaming, I'm really, really angry. And I said, that, and, and that just doesn't work for me. That's just not, I mean, if you're a yeller and screamer, you know, go for it. But that's not, I, the gospel is enough. The word of God is enough. The Holy Spirit is enough. It, it's not my power. It's not my strength that changes hearts and minds. It's, it's the Holy Spirit of God. It's a supernatural work of God. And if I have to yell and scream, obviously, I'm, it's not God. It's me coercing or trying to overpower you. And that's not what the gospel's all about. The people follow Jesus because they so wanted to hear him. And he sat down. He wasn't, he, 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 he was a great teacher, but he was God. He didn't have to yell and scream. 
They sought him out. So, you know, we've got to move at the speed of the people who, who we're praying for, who we're concerned for, and not out of our anxiety and our fear. This is a gospel-believing church. Our, our, our vision statement, which we'll say at the end of the service, is we, we want to guide people home. That's all, that's all we're here for, the Great Commission. To teach, baptize, and make them disciples. And God does the work. We're just here to, to do what God wants us to do. So, as you're responding to this message, you might ask the question, what, what should we do? What should we do? Number one, if we have people on our hearts and our minds that we love and we care about and, and want to spend eternity with them and want them to, to know the pearl of great price, we just pray more. And that sounds like, Chris, no. Pray like everything dependent on prayer because it really, really does. You know, and God will warm your heart to be able to see them differently. God will give us the endurance to be able to go slow and steady. Because you're in it for the long haul. Because it really, really matters. And number two, if you really want to uh, make a difference, work on your log. Because when they see the change in your life of what God is doing in you, not trying to change them, but what God is doing in you, it will shine like pearls because they will know that, that it's transforming and it is spirit-driven. And just talk about what God has done, what Jesus has done in your life. And I want you to recognize this. The pearl that you're casting before pigs is Jesus. Jesus is the choice pearl. God sent the choice pearl. When someone realizes who Jesus really is, Jesus goes from useless to priceless. And that's how you need to know him as a pearl of great price. Every Sunday morning we have an invitation. I know that a lot of churches don't do that anymore if you're unfamiliar with it. I just believe that God calls people unto himself, different times, different occasions, but we always give the opportunity. We have benches here to pray with you, to pray for you. We don't want to embarrass you. Again, it's all about him and what the Holy Spirit does in your hearts. Thy kingdom come on earth. Will you please stand and pray with me? God, Father, we are uh, so, so grateful for the work that you do. Father, we just want to cooperate with you. Father, we're thankful that we're not alone, that you give us your Holy Spirit, but we all, you also give us community, Father. And we just ask that you'd work in us. And, and Father, you would deal with the log in our own eye that others might see Christ in us. Father, for those that are far from you, I pray that they would come to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. Father, for those that are lost and without a community, pray, Father, that they would join one. And Father, we just pray for those that are uh, watching this morning that you would be real and near to them and bless them. And we just give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.